If there's one thing I can say about this year is, it's been a fight. I mean, who knew when we celebrated the, in January the fight that was before us in the coming year? We've had to fight against the virus. We've had to fight to stay healthy. We've had to fight against oppressive restrictions. We've had to fight to find or keep our own employment. That some of us have had to fight to keep a roof over our head. We see daily a fight before our eyes. We see a second wave of a pandemic. We see peaceful protests while fires rage in the background. We see a divided nation where political ideologies are vastly different. We're witnessing an election with allegations of fraud. See, this election cycle is different than any other election cycle we've ever been in because really it was a fight against good and evil. This election was a fight against righteousness and unrighteousness. It's a fight against the culture of life, against the culture of death. It's a fight against which the very foundations of our democracy are in peril. And the fight rages, and it needs the attention of the saints. See, we can lay back and just, we can sit back and we can say, well, it'll work its way out. But if we allow, if we just sit back, if we come, become complacent, if we throw up our hands, and, or if we just um, sit back and watch, we can be overcome by evil. We can be overcome by darkness. And then we can say to our, then, then, the, then, we can, then the church can say, well, how did this happen? Well, the reason why it happened is because the church was not operating as God intended the church to operate and because of that, see, we, the church, have the authority and the power to push back darkness. And now the Bible tells us we battle not against flesh and blood, not, but against spirits and principalities. So our fight is not against man. My fight is not against my neighbor. My fight is not against the person that doesn't agree with me. My fight isn't against the Republicans and the Democrats or this or that or however they want to uh, uh, label us. My fight is against the powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. So we battle against not flesh and blood. My battle isn't against my neighbor. My battle is against the devil and his forces. My battle is against darkness. And all the plans that the enemy has to destroy a good nation. Now I can sit back and say, well, let's just see how it plays out. Adam 
watched Eve bite an apple and basically had the attitude of, well, let's see how that plays out. Nothing happened there. I guess I'll bite the apple. And then what happened? See, complacency is a place that the enemy wants us in, so then he can, he can just roll over us, and then we wonder what happened. How did, how did this happen? Because we as the saints of God did not take the authority that God gave us through his son Jesus Christ. He said, you shall tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. He said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But the gates of hell can prevail if we remain complacent, if we take an all-well attitude, or if our hearts aren't right, and we're at, our attitude is get them. Because we're not discerning in the spiritual realm that this battle is not, a, not about man. It's not about political ideologies. It's about darkness. And we have the authority to fight against darkness. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verse 11 through 12, it says this. But flee from these things. And what he's, what he's talking about is worldly things. And he's talking about money and these things like that. You know, pursuing things that are not kingdom associated or kingdom things. So what he's saying is flee these things. Then he says, flee these things, you man of God. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, we think, oh, we got to fight this thing. Mm. Remember when Jesus was walking with James and John, and they said to Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? And he, Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch the spirit in which you're operating at. He says, you don't know the kind of spirit you're operating in right now. But he says, but you, men of God, but you, people of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. See, the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. That sounds good. But what is the good fight of faith? There is a fight for the very soul of this nation. And let me ask you something. Do you have a fight in you? Do you have a fight in you? Do you have a fight in you? Or are you, you know, is it just like, I mean... You know, you, we may have been through a lot, a lot of rounds. We may feel like Rocky. 
You know, we've taken it from this side. We've taken it from that side. We've taken things personally. We've taken things from a family. We've taken things from, from society. We've taken slander and all of these things and all of these labels. And, oh, I want to fight. Good. But what spirit are you willing to fight in? Because if you're going to fight in your own strength and in your own wisdom and in your own carnality, you'll be defeated. But if you fight by the Spirit, if you fight in the wisdom of the Spirit, if you fight for righteousness, if you persevere and you fight you have the fight that God has asked us to fight according to the faith, we'll see the hand of God move on a nation like we've never seen before in our lifetime. I mean, and I've asked this of myself, and I, I want to present it to you today. How do we fight this fight? Because we can, we can fight in a way that we can, get in, we can get in the pig pen with the pig, and we can wrestle the pig, and we can come out just as dirty as the pig and lost the fight anyway. So God's not asking us to fight dirty. God's asking us to fight holy. The Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imagination, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And that we're to bring into captivity every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. Do you hear, do you hear how we're supposed to fight? So God is looking to us and saying, do you have a fight left in you? If not, let me give you a fight. See, because there are times God has purposely allowed situations and circumstances to happen so that his people could fight. God doesn't leave us without a fight because if he left us without a fight, guess what happens? We become lazy. We become complacent. We become heavy. Lazy, apathetic, eh, I don't care. Everything's all right, my end. And so God brings the fight into our neighborhood so that we can fight, but we can fight righteously. We can all agree tonight that there is a great fight before our eyes. See, if the church stays apathetic, if the church stays complacent, if the church remains prayerless, evil will consume this nation and this nation will fall. And it won't be the, it won't be the fault of a party. It'll be the fault of, of the church. It will be the fault of the church. It'll be my fault. It'll be your fault. And so the responsibility of the balance of this nation doesn't rest on one man. It doesn't rest on a party. It rests right now on the church. And this is a fight worth having. I grew up in Brooklyn. I had a lot of fights. I lost more than I won because I was basically uh, soaking wet 150 pounds, but I had a big mouth that always got me into trouble. So I know a fight.
So God looks at us and says, listen, I brought the fight to you. And I want to know if you've got a fight in you because the balance of the nation rests with us. Evil will consume this nation and this nation will fall. I want to give you three battle plans from Scripture to help you fight the good fight of faith. If you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. Our target verse is going to be 13 and 14. But here it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pihai-Haroth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Beth-Zephron. You shall camp in front of Beth-Zephron opposite it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king, king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots and all, all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them by the sea beside Phihiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. For the Lord will fight while you keep silent. Amen. We all know the story. Moses cries out, and God says to him, why are you crying unto me and all of this? And the, the, the sea splits. Israel goes through on dry land. The Egyptians try to follow through, and God overthrows the Egyptian army. And, his, and God received the glory through Pharaoh because of this. 
But now I want to give you three battle plans from Scripture today. And the first one is, is don't believe that you are outnumbered. Don't think that you're outnumbered. I mean, we look and we see all that is, seems to be arrayed against us. Social media, the television media, uh, the, the, par the, the Democratic Party. It seems like there's so much that seems to be against us. But I want you to understand, don't believe that you're outnumbered. Throughout history, God has allowed his people to feel outnumbered. See, the reason why we, we feel outnumbered is because we're looking in the natural. We look at all that's going on in, in, in our nation today, and, we're like, and we think like, wow, how do you fight this? How do you overcome this? The numbers are too great. The, 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 the slander is, is relentless. The censorship has, be, has been over the top. How do you fight this? Where is God when it looks like I'm outnumbered? Where's God in this? Where is God when we seem like, it seems like the hordes of darkness are all around us and we seem outnumbered? Where is God? No one stood with Elijah on Mount Carmel. He was the only prophet who served God. And his opposition had overwhelming advantages. In fact, he faced 450 prophets of Baal. These seemed like impossible odds. It would have been easy to feel discouraged or afraid. But he had faith in God, who was not awed by these numbers. Through faith in him, Elijah defeated these false prophets. As human beings, we, are natu we naturally are influenced by numbers. The giants in the world seem to have all the advantages. We can easily feel intimidated by companies with huge resources or nations with mighty armies. We can feel in awe of people with large bank accounts. If we are, if we are opposed by a vocal adversary, we can become discouraged and feel hopeless. But the Bible helps us realize the limits of our human observations and of a world in completely different ways. He is not intimidated by an army. With him, no situation is hopeless. He never feels outnumbered, no matter how strong the opposition may appear to be. God's strength and power cannot be measured in human terms. All he needs is for one person to believe him, and his power becomes fully accessible. Whether we are opposed by 450 or 450 million, there is no difference to him. He seeks people who believe this truth and put their faith into action. People who will dedicate their lives and resources to him. In your life, seek to obey God and trust in him, regardless of the size of the opponent or the advantage they may have. If you believe and trust him, you will be in the majority in every situation. With him, nothing is impossible.
You ever have a bad week? That's what I was looking for. And you ever finally, you get to, you, you, you kind of fall on your knees, you feel battered and beaten and, and just tossed and turned, and, and you, get, you, get on, you get there, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief, and you want to summon some strength so that you can call out to God, and you begin to call out to God, and you, and you feel all alone. I want to let you know what Hebrews 12, 20 through to 24 says when you're at that very moment. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Do you hear what you have available to you when you fall on your knees. When you say, I can't go another step further. I give up. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't have the strength to, to go on. What it's saying here is the minute you do that and you enter into your, your prayer closet and you begin to seek God, all of a heaven is available to you. The blood of the covenant. Myriads of angels. God himself. Jesus Christ, the judge of the uh, the judge of all, uh, and who was made perfect, the mediator of a new covenant, the sprinkled blood. You have so much for you that it never matters what's against you. You have a great God who overcomes all the works of the enemy. There's this... Veggie Tales, I know. Well, I have a nine-year-old at home, so I get, a, I get the excuse to watch Veggie Tales. But there's a song that the Veggie Tales character sings, and it says, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. God is bigger than the boogeyman, and he's watching after you and me. You know, when Jesus says sometimes you have to come like a faith, sometimes you have to come and you have to realize that God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla, and he's bigger than all the monsters on TV. And guess what? He's watching out for you, and he's watching out for me. He's got us. God is bigger and greater than those who surround you. So we see that when the Israelites looked and saw that they were outnumbered, they became afraid. And they cried out to God, and then they said to Moses, they began to complain. It would have been better for us to have died in Egypt. Didn't we say to you, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? All the excuses, all the fears, all of that negative talk started coming out of their lips. And Moses gave them a battle plan. And the first thing he said to them is, do not fear. Fear will cripple a nation. Fear will cripple a church. Fear will cripple anything that God wants to do. The first thing we have to understand is if I'm operating in a spirit of fear, I'm already defeated. And I need to confess that, and I need to ask God to fill me with the faith that is needed to fight the good fight. So he says, do not fear. Do not let fear. Do not let fear of a bad report 
or preconceived bad outcomes puts you in a place of fear or defeat. Situations and circumstances may appear hopeless, dark, unwinnable, but these are the things that happen before God moves. So you need not take the report. See, my thing is to say to you, whose report will you believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm not going to look with my eyes and say, well, it looks hopeless. No, it doesn't. God hasn't moved yet. So don't let fear of a bad report or fear of bad words or, or the, it looks like the situation is, is um, insurmountable. Don't let these things put you in a place of fear or hopelessness. There was a man, and his name was Black Bart. And now I thought he was a character on Bugs Bunny, but I found out that he was really a real person. Black Bart. He was a professional thief whose very name struck fear as he terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line. From San Francisco to New York, his name became synonymous with danger of the frontier. Between 1875 and 1883, he robbed 29 different stagecoaches and stagecoach crews. Amazingly, Bart did it all without firing a shot because a hood hit his face. No victim ever saw his face. He never took a hostage and he, never he was never trailed by a sheriff. Instead, Black Bart used fear to paralyze his victims. He's his sinister presence was enough to overwhelm the toughest stagecoach guard. So if we're looking at the situation of our country and we're in fear, which is what the enemy wants to put on us, we'll be defeated. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Bible tells us that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Fear not, for I'm your God. So God says to his church, don't be afraid. Stand and see what I can do. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Have faith and watch what God will do. The next thing he says is this battle isn't yours, it's God. Listen to this. He says, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. There's a lot of noise in the world today, right? We, we see a lot of, I mean, if you turn on the TV, you, 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 you see a lot of, uh, violence, you see a lot of screaming, you see a lot of um, burning, you see a lot of looting, you see a lot of this, you see a lot of that. And um, see, that's, that's how the enemy operates. He operates with a lot of noise to distract or to look to overwhelm those that look in the natural and say, oh my goodness, oh, what's going on? Instead of those that can discern and say, that's the devil. And what he's doing will come to nothing. And God will prevail. And God will overcome. And God will judge. And God will, will, will set his people above their enemies. God will do what God wants to do. 
So we see that this battle is in ours. But I want to show you the fighting position that God expects his people to take. There is only one way to join the fight, and this is the way to do it. This is it. This is the fight that God asks us to get in on, to get on his side, to get before him, to humble ourselves, to confess our sins, to repent of things that, are, that um, seem to be uh, overwhelming us or we seem to be habitually in, to confess our, 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 our idols, to, be, to come before God in a place of humility and repentance, and then begin to beseech God on behalf of a nation. God wants to move. And God is going to move. What it depends on is are you willing to get in the fight with him and be with God and hear God and be, and be able to see what God will do for the United States of America before our very eyes. But the fight is not a fight that, that's of the flesh. See, if I want to fight in my own strength, in my own wisdom, my own fortitude, my own what I think, I'll lose. Not only will I lose, but I'll also damage the testimony of the Lord. See, I can argue my point of view, but what difference does it make? It's not about right and wrong. It's about light and darkness. It's about righteousness and unrighteousness. It's about life and death. It's about the unborn. It's about infanticide. It's even about the elderly. Because if we don't fight, if you think they're going to stop at the infant, trust me, they're going to look at the elderly and say they're of no use either. It's time we get rid of them. This truly is a fight. This fight is not yours, it's God's. And you need to remind God that this is his fight. You need to tell God, we can't fight this fight. You've not called us to the fight. You've called us to your presence. You've called us before you. You've called us to raise up a voice for our nation. Do you remember when Moses was up on the, on the mountain? God was giving him the Ten Commandments. God said to Moses, get out of my way. The people have be quickly have become vile. The people have quickly turned against me, and they, they're worshiping idols. Moses, get away from me. I'm going to, to annihilate them, and I'll start with you. And Moses began to plead with God for the people. No, God, don't do this. If you do this, your name will be besmirched. Will be besmirched. Your name, it's your name that these people, that, that, that these people carry. If you do this, God, is it, you're almost as if Moses says, God, you're in the wrong. Hold back your anger. Hold back your judgment. 
And God listened to Moses. When Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be destroyed, God's standing with Abraham. And Abraham begins to intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Wait, wait, God, if there's 50 righteous people, will you destroy the city? Not for 50 righteous. All right, let, let, me, let, me, let me make a little bit better of a deal with you, with you, God. What if there's only 40, 40 people? I won't do it for 40. Can I get at you one more time? What if there's only 30? I won't do it for 30. All right, if you won't do it for 30, would, would you spare the country for 20? What's he doing? He's interceding for a nation. He's interceding for a people. The people were in the wrong, but he's still, he's still interceding for them. He got down to 10. And then he quit. I think if Abraham would have interceded a little bit further, and maybe got down to one, God might have spared the nation, I mean, the city. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just because we don't agree with people, don't give up on people. Don't give up on, on, on the souls of this nation. Don't give up on those who are, who are who are under the power of the wicked one. Don't give up. Because when God moves and the church is in the right place, the church will have the authority to begin to speak into the lives of those who are going to want to know what happened. See, Moses said it best. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. I'd like us to take a moment and pray for our nation. I'm looking for G. I'd like us to take a moment and pray. See, again, this is not about flesh and blood. This is not about ideology. This is about the purpose and plans of God continuing to prevail in the United States of America. That it still be a beacon of light and not a place of darkness. That its light still shine. That the gospel goes forth. And that the people of God are not forced into silence. I'd ask you to stand with me. If we could shut the lights, not all of them. Why don't you begin to lift your voice? You say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't know. Wherever you're at, just lift your voice to God. Begin to pray for this nation. Begin to call out that God intervene on behalf of the United States of America. That God turn back the plans of Satan, the plans of the wicked one. That all the, all the principalities and powers of darkness, we right now take authority over you in the name of Jesus. We take authority over the plans of Satan. We take authority over your, your plan to push the United States of America into a place of darkness, into a place of peril, into a place of, of um, chains 
the place of subjugation. Father, we plead mercy upon this nation. Lord, this nation has turned its back on you, but we ask you that you not turn your back on us. Lord, there's a remnant still left here in this nation. And this remnant cries out. Be merciful. It's even as Habakkuk said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. In our day and in our time, renew them. But in wrath, remember mercy. All is not lost, God. Our hope is in you. We look to you, God. We set our, perp we set our, our hearts, we set our, our minds, we set our spirit, we set our sights on you. And Lord, we, we ask you to bind all principalities, to bind all lying spirits, to bind all spirits of control. We ask you, Lord, to loose your hands. To loose the power of the Holy Spirit. To loose the myriad of angels to do battle in the heavenly realms. Lord, even when... when Daniel began to seek your face. There was a battle in the heavenly realms that even he couldn't see. And Lord, it took time for the, for the, for the angels to, to break through, to be able to get to Daniel. Lord, we ask the angels that, Lord, you empower them to break through the powers of darkness. We ask you, Lord, to push back all powers of darkness in the name of Jesus. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, O oh Lord. Lord, purify our hearts because your word says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you or slander you. You tell us to bless them and curse not, because you said then we will be like our heavenly Father. We lift up those that are deceived. We lift up the deception of the enemy that has caused them to believe a lie and reject the truth. We ask you, Lord, for revival, not only in the church, but in our nation. That in these last days, God, you would turn this nation back to you. Be with us, God. Give us a burden. Let us not stop until we see your hand move. Let us call out to you, Lord, in the night hours. Let us call out to you in our cars as we're driving. Let us call out to you as we're busy about our days. Stop us, Lord. and Help us to just seek your face in this season right now of this fight. Give us a fight, oh God. Restore this nation, God.
You gave us this nation. You gave us a founding document. You've blessed this nation beyond anything we can even comprehend. Lord, we don't turn our back on you. We look to you, our Savior, our King, our God, our Deliverer, the glory and the lifter of our head, our Redeemer, our Justifier, our King, our God. We look to you. Plead the blood of Jesus over this nation. From the East Coast to the West Coast, the blood of Jesus. We ask forgiveness, Lord, for the murder of 61 million babies, Lord God. We, we know this grieves your heart. We know that, Lord, this, the blood cries out for justice, Lord. And, and, Lord, we just ask you to do according to your good pleasure. We ask you to set the right man to lead this nation. Give your people the strength to continue to fight. To fight until the hand of God moves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.